There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode of the Bear Stalk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest T-shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground T-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your PointsBet account, and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this T-shirt, and then finally you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit, our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstalk Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink, and thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. (laughs) What's up, guys? Week 5 officially in the books with the Chiefs and Raiders finishing up on Monday Night Football. An exciting uh, ball game. Another, I feel like a common theme this week. Teams jumping out ahead, other other team coming roaring back and, and and things like that. We even saw it with our beloved Chicago Bears, uh, you know, getting down 21 to 3 early and coming back to take the lead at one point in the game and and uh and so on. So something that we'll see quite a bit. I mean, the the Giants game with the Packers over in London, uh the Browns got off to a 14 nothing start on the Chargers. Um yeah, things like that. You know, the Jets jumped out in front of the pay, uh, Dolphins and Yeah, there were several instances of teams getting out to a fast start, but having a lapse at some point in the middle of the game or towards the end of it, allowing their opponent back into uh, the football game. So we'll have a lot of that. Uh, That's like the theme uh, of week number five. Uh, The other theme is I got my first double-digit win total uh, for the week. Thank you very much to the Chiefs who uh, held on uh, on Monday night. That was the deciding game. I was 9-6 and going into the Monday night game needed the Chiefs to pull off the win, and they did. So I'm 10-6 and six for the week, which gave me a huge improvement in my overall record uh, for the first five weeks of the season. So let's go ahead and start the breakdown. This is the Week 5 NFL Review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. out loud Week number five, uh, the last uh, uh, the last week of the schedule for several weeks that will include 16 games because uh, week six we start with the bye weeks I think we still have 15 games I think there's only two teams off on Sunday maybe four at the most so still looking at a 14 game slate for week six uh, week six uh, and beyond uh, and such but uh, 
This uh, week five is the last one with 16 full full games uh, until probably like week 14 or 15. Actually, since I think week 15, because the Bears are week 14 this year for the uh, for the bye. So I think that's the last bye week is week 14. So this will be the last full 16-game week until we get to week 15. Um, so, uh, yeah, be a little bit of a shorter show going forward with fewer games to talk about. But uh, nonetheless, uh, thankfully, we'll, we'll start with the Thursday night game, which was an absolutely dreadful contest, which extremely disappointing. Uh, you have two quarterbacks that are most likely to end up in the Hall of Fame. I think Russell Wilson and uh, Matt Ryan are Hall of Fame quarterbacks, each with their uh, second team, each in the first year with their uh, second team, both having very disappointing starts uh, to this uh, to this new regime uh, that they're a part of. Uh, neither one of them can really get anything going uh, offensively, uh, and neither one of them could do it in this game as well. I'm glad I did not watch most of it. It was an absolutely dreadful. Um, I mean, there's there's a game I remember, you know, personally in, in 2007, first game of the year, the Bears coming off their Super Bowl loss to the Colts started out on the road at San Diego, the team they probably should have played in the Super Bowl because uh, they were the number one seed, 14 and two, but they got beat by the Patriots in the divisional round, so they didn't get that far. But here it is, this great matchup. I think the final score of that game was like 10-3 to or something like that. The Bears coming up on the short end. But it was one of the more exciting, competitive games I remember watching. And it was this back-and-forth defensive battle. But it wasn't like, man, these guys are pathetic. I mean, they, they can't. That, this is the opposite of that. Okay, whereas that was a knockdown, drag out, like old school fight between the Bears and the Chargers. This game with the Colts and the Broncos was just sad to watch. The ineptitude, you got penalties. I think there were 12 punts before halftime uh, and all that kind of stuff. And it's all being quarterbacked by two of the best to ever do it uh, on national TV to the point where Al Michaels was just roasting the game uh, by the end of it. He was actually literally making fun of the game. Uh, as he was calling it there towards the end, because it was dreadful. Um, long story short, the Colts win the game twelve to nine, beat the Broncos in overtime. Like this, this trash went to overtime. That's how bad it was. And Broncos fans were leaving the stadium before overtime, so the game's not over. Your team still has a chance to win, and they started walking out. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Colts win. Uh, I actually picked the Broncos. I thought they would go ahead and. Uh, win this game, <laughs> but uh, no, they proved me wrong, uh, so I start the week 0-1. Thank you very much, Russell Wilson and company. Second week in a row, uh, the NFL's International Series uh, kicks off the Sunday schedule. Giants uh, at Packers in Tottenham Hotspur uh, in uh, in the UK, and I only caught the second half uh, of, the, of the game because, of course, it had an 8.30 uh, kickoff here uh, in the States. Uh, and everything, or in the central time zone of the states, I should say. Um, but it was 17-2. to two. The Giants uh, won the second half. Uh, the, I think the Packers were up 20-10 to 10 at halftime, and I watched the Giants win the second half 17-2, to two, and they basically followed the blueprint to beat the Packers. Long, sustained drives that resulted uh, in points, and then when they turned the ball over to 
uh, Green Bay, they got him off the field. I mean, that's I mean that's essentially how you beat anybody, but that's especially how you beat the Green Bay Packers. You shorten his time, him being Aaron Rodgers, you shorten his time by you staying, keeping your offense on the field, and then getting him off the field as quickly as possible. And like I said, it resulted in a 17-2 second half uh, you know, scoring output for the uh, Giants. And towards the end uh, of the ball game, the Green Bay defense was just gassed out. Like I said, long sustained drives uh, for the Giants. You could just tell they had nothing left uh, in the tank. Um, despite it all, though, the Packers had a chance to come back at the end. Their last drive, 14 plays, 69 yards, but they came up empty after uh, Rodgers' passes were batted down on third and fourth down from the giant two-yard line. So they're goal to go, looking to to score to take the lead. And, uh, you know, just good old defensive fundamentals. Get your hands up and batted the balls down on third and fourth down to turn the Packers away with nothing uh, on that drive, not even a, uh, a field goal to uh, narrow the gap and maybe try an onside or something uh, like that. So, I mean, I know that strategically doesn't make any sense, but... You get what I'm saying. Uh, the Giants did give the ball back to the Packers one last time. There was, uh, you know, people still kind of nervous because uh, Rodgers' batting average with Hail Marys is actually pretty good. And uh, the Hail Mary p- attempt was not to be as Rodgers was strip sacked to end the game. The Giants hang on 27 22. Uh, an impressive showing from the Giants because. Um, that was the thing that stung so much about the loss to the Giants uh, last week for the Bears was that you know this was not a this was not a solid three and one team this you know it's uh, or two and one team or uh, you know what have you it, this they have their holes and this should have been a game the Bears could have easily won and instead you know we couldn't stop their defense and and we were getting bootlegged out of our shoes on, on half the. Uh, in the entire first half for Daniel Jones, made him look like a stud uh, and everything. This was a legit win uh, for the Giants. It wasn't necessarily anything that the Packers were doing. They didn't turn the football over, uh, you know, six times or or anything like that to give a lesser-than team hope to keep coming after them. The Giants just straight-up beat them. You know, they, 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 they stayed within striking distance at 20-10 to 10, uh, at the half, and then in the second half, they essentially shut them out and then uh, just, you know, went to work on offense. You know, that ball kept going to Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones was really good at spreading the ball around to his other receivers. And like I said, they won the second half 17-2 to give them a 27-22 victory. So uh, a lot more respect for the Giants after this game than I did after them beating up. And that's not just sour grapes. It's like... This is not a very good, this is not a three and one team that we lost to today. But they look like a four and one team when they beat uh, Green Bay uh, on Sunday. It was, it was a much stronger, much more solid win in, in legitimately beating Green Bay than it, than it looked against us uh, last Sunday. I, just all the, all the credit in the world to Dable uh, and his squad for, uh, for sticking into it and, and uh, beating Green Bay. But once again, I get the pick wrong, so my week is not off to a good start. 0-2 thus far. Now we move back into the win column here. We got the Bills and the Steelers, and this thing was pretty much over with from the beginning. Third play of the game for the Bills. 
Uh, Josh Allen hits Gabe Davis for a 98-yard touchdown pass. And the Bills never look back because it was a 38-3 final score. So that touchdown alone would have been enough to, to win them the game. Uh, another crazy touchdown catch from Davis a little bit later on uh, for the Bills to go up 17-3. to uh, Stephon Diggs and uh, Shakir add touchdowns to make it 31-3 to at the half. Uh, Allen, 424 yards, four touchdowns, and a pick. And um, one thing I will say is I, I've, I've watched all the highlight reels on, on YouTube for all of the games, so I have a sense of, uh, you know, the rhythm and things of, of how things were going, obviously, even though I, I watched a three-hour game in nine minutes for most of these. But uh, Kenny Pickett looked really good uh, in, in the losing effort. Had 327 yards passing, but obviously no touchdowns. Uh, or anything like that, but I, he stood in the pocket. He showed confidence. He delivered the ball well. Uh, I think the Steelers may be on to something, unfortunately, for our good friend Mitch uh, Trubisky. So, um, yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's going to be a solid one uh, for Pittsburgh. He looked very good in the face of one of the better defenses in the AFC uh, on Sunday. So, so long as he keeps his head about him, uh, he's got talent around him. So it's just going to be a matter of you know the Steelers returning to form as a team uh, than it is about worrying about how their offense is going to uh, function. You know, obviously they still have some work to do. Mike Tomlin might be staring uh, his first losing season in the face uh, right now. He's been 500 or better in all 16 of his seasons with the, uh, or 15, I think it is with the Steelers uh, thus far. This might be the first losing one. Uh, so we'll have to keep an eye on that one. I'm, I'm not uh, sure if the, if the schedule is going to open up for them and they can straighten that out uh, later on in the year, but uh, they're one and four uh, right now, and it's not looking good uh, in Pittsburgh. Moving out to Cleveland, Chargers at Browns, and um, you know the Browns struck first the forty-one yard touchdown run from uh, from Nick Chubb. Uh, Amari Cooper added another one, and they're up fourteen uh, nothing pretty easily out of the gates. But the Chargers come roaring back, take a seventeen fourteen lead on Austin Eckler. Touchdown, and after that, it was back and forth. I was, uh, as I was watching the Bear game, I'm, I'm watching all of these games, and, and the ticker is just like Chargers, Browns, Chargers, Browns, Chargers, Browns. And uh, the Chargers took the lead for good with about nine and a half minutes to go in the game. Um, but, uh, you know, 30 to 28, Cleveland had a chance to win, though. They were driving. Uh, they, um, they, uh, Kobe Brissett was picked off in the end zone on their second to last drive. And that rookie York, his field goal attempt was wide right with about 11 seconds to go uh, in the game. So they had their chances. The, the Browns, for all rights and intents and purposes, could have slash should have won uh, this game. You know, they had 10 points that they did not score uh, there in the final minutes of the fourth quarter with that Brissette pickoff in the, or Brissette, I should say, pickoff in the end zone and the kids' uh, field goal. Uh, going wide, wide right. So the Chargers lucky to be three and two. Uh, the Browns fall to uh, two and three. So the Chargers take it thirty to twenty eight, and that evens me out at two and two for the week because I uh, went with uh, L.A. Uh, on that one. Moving up to Minnesota Bears Vikings and talk about a roller coaster of a day for Bear fans. Um, divisional matchup. We're at Minnesota. Taking on the Vikings, the Vikings three and one, coming off of a nail biting win uh, over the Saints in London uh, last week, and uh, the Bears looking to rebound from an embarrassing showing uh, in the 
in New York against the Giants uh, last week as well. And let's just say it did not go according to plan. (laughs) Minnesota took the opening kickoff uh, all the way down for a uh, touchdown and made it look easy in the process. Kirk Cousins was 7-for-7 on the opening drive. Five of those catches to a guy that you would think would be the defensive focus for Allen Williams and his unit and Justin Jefferson. Five receptions for him on that first drive, capped off by a uh, Dalvin Cook touchdown run. And the Bears answered with a field goal on their drive, once again having to settle for a field goal instead of being able to finish off the drive and put it in the end zone. And then Minnesota you know, proceeded to put both of their next two drives in the end zone with each drive looking easier than the one uh, before. And you had a second Dalvin Cook touchdown right at the start of the second quarter and a one-yard pass to Jalen Rager um, to uh, make it 21-3 to about midway through the second quarter. And, uh, you know, we're just like, okay, well, this is what I feared going into the game with with the offensive weapons that Kirk Cousins have, Jefferson, Thielen, uh, Rager, K.J. Osborne, and, of course, with Dalvin Cook and um, the other ones whose name is escaping me right now in the backfield. He's got plenty of weapons at his disposal. He's got the most complete offense we've faced yet, and we've been struggling against mediocre offenses and mediocre wide receiving cores like the one in Green Bay uh, and San Francisco. Uh, we struggled with all of those, and here we have this one. We're 21-3 to three midway through the second quarter. This is going to be a long goddamn afternoon if, if this keeps up. And then it flipped. Just before halftime, um, a really interesting sequence uh, for the Bears. They sack Kirk Cousins on third down, thus finally ending a drive for them. The punter shanks his kick on only a five-yard net, giving the ball to Bear, giving the Bears the ball at the 50. First play from that, deep ball, crazy circus catch from Darnell Mooney sets up a David Montgomery touchdown, and it's 20-10 to 10 at half, and the Bears get the ball back. And opening drive, as a pessimistic Bear fan, I'm expecting just some lame-ass three and out just so we can get this half started on the right foot. Nope. Drove the ball all the way down. Uh, and a um, a Valus Jones pop pass, uh, you know, he said his first catch was going to be for a touchdown, and I'll be damned, it's technically a catch because it was a forward toss from uh, Justin Fields in the shotgun to Valus Jones running across the formation. Uh, turns, the, turns the corner, dives for the pylon, and just like that, it's 20-16. to 16. We went for two. I disagreed with us going for two. And I hated the play call. It was a stupid quick screen to Dante Pettis, who couldn't catch a cold in the first half. And, and now he finally catches the ball and gets wrangled for a loss uh, on a, on a two-point play. So just like that, it's 21-16. The Bears get the ball back once again. And, you know, we went on a 19-0 run after being down 19-3. Or excuse me, 21-3. We want a 19 and 0 run to take the lead in the fourth quarter, 22 to 21, and then the defense that had held up so nicely in the second half just falls apart. 17 plays, 75 yards, seven minutes off the clock. The, the Vikings converted on five of six third downs, and the one that they didn't convert, they converted on fourth down uh, instead, and that was a defensive holding uh, penalty. 
uh, as well. They were 12 of 15 on third down. I mean, that's that's just pathetic. I mean, Allen Williams and the D, y'all got to fix that, man. 12 of 15. The league average on third down conversions is like 42%. The Vikings were at 80 on Sunday. You can't win football games doing that. And the real bitch of it is the Bears had a chance. The Bears had a chance despite all of that. 12 of 15 for third down uh, on defense uh, and, and giving up uh, you know that late touchdown drive. The Bears offense comes back, and it was the best performance we've seen from Justin Fields so far uh, this year. He's leading the charge on this final drive. Great throw to Montgomery to get 20 yards on second and 19. Very next play, Amir Smith-Marset, who's probably only on the field because guys like Byron Pringle, uh, Nikhil Harry, and, and all those guys are on the injured list uh, right now. He's out there because he has to be. Not because we want him to be, because he has to be. Catches the pass, has the first down, um, has the sideline open. He's not being held in by the opponent or anything like that, but instead of stepping out of bounds, you can actually see Cole Komet pointing for him to go out of bounds, uh, decides to just, you know, try to get yards that weren't there as he's surrounded by three defenders. The third defender being Cameron Dantzler, rips the ball out of his hands. Um, ball's going the other way. Vikings win. Uh, Bears lose. So we'll never know if Justin Fields would have been able to complete the comeback like he did against the Steelers last year because this dickhead decided he had to have his moment and, you know, probably felt like, well, we got a timeout so I can stay in bounds. Yeah, look at you now, jackass. Look at you now. So, oh, and not to mention, this was the same moron that stole a 52-yard touchdown run from Justin Fields earlier in the game. On the drive where the Bears took the lead 22-21, to a few plays before that, Justin Fields broke the pocket, scrambled, and went virtually untouched for a 52-yard touchdown run. Only Smith-Marset was uh, flagged for a block in the back, and it was legit uh, penalty. So, yeah, two strikes for this idiot. And, uh, you know, he's uh, probably a wanted man in Chicago right now after that nonsense. So, But um, my team loses, but I got the pick right, so I'm up to 3-2. and two. Going out to Foxborough, Patriots and Lions. The Patriots sporting their old school red unis, uh, the ones famously worn Super Bowl twenty when we tore them to shreds. Um, first half mistakes is what killed Detroit uh, in this game. Uh, Goff threw a pick in the end zone. You had a scoop and score fumble for the Patriots uh, that had them up 16-0 uh, at halftime. Uh, the Patriots didn't score an offensive touchdown until there was a minute 50 to go in the third quarter to make it 26 to nothing, uh, and they finish it off winning the game 29 to nothing. But here's what's funny. just and I, Like I said, I know that I'm watching an extremely condensed version uh, of the game, but in the highlight package that I saw, the play on the field didn't really justify the, the score. Like It didn't look like the... Patriots were winning by 29 points or 23 points or or whatever the deficit seemed to be at the time. It, it, it seemed a lot more competitive, like the Lions were moving the ball and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, like I mentioned before, throwing, it, uh, throwing a pick in the red zone, uh, you know, the, the strip sack, the scoop and score for the, you know, these self-inflicted wounds uh, for the Lions is what kept them uh, from making this thing competitive. Uh, at all. Like on the scoreboard, it was never really close. It's like on the field, it looked like a good football game. But Patriots win 29 to nothing. I picked the Pats to win. So now I'm up 4 to 2. 
Seahawks and Saints. I think this might one this one might be I think our contender for uh game of the week. Uh this back and forth battle. Like like I said, I watching on the ticker to keep an eye on how my picks uh are doing and I watched this one literally go back and forth. Uh trading trading leads, the Saints, the Seahawks, the Saints, the Seahawks uh and everything. Uh Taysom Hill, MVP of the of the game, three rushing touchdowns, one passing Touchdown. He was one for one for 22 yards and a touchdown um, in, in the game. 112 yards rushing. And, and this is a guy that's basically positionless. He, he can play fullback. He'll run the ball out of the backfield. He is, uh, he'll line up at tight end. He can play quarterback. And, you know, it's, um, I guess he's like legitimately the, the, the one person in the NFL. Like, like I remember when I used to play the NCAA uh, video game that when you'd be recruiting players, one would be listed as an athlete. Like, he wouldn't have a position. He would be an athlete. So, basically, it would be, like, up to you to figure out what position he'd play when he got to college. He was just listed as an athlete. I guess Taysom Hill, his position is athlete because he's a Swiss Army knife uh, on the offensive side and plays special teams, too. He plays special teams because I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Saints blocked a punt in this one, and it was him that... uh was on the special team that I think like he he opened up the hole for the guy to make the block uh, on the punt. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that was the Saints that did that. But um, but like I said, it was a competitive game. 39-32, the Saints win. Geno Smith added 268 and three touchdowns so the Seahawks could keep pace uh, in this one. Uh, costly injuries to both teams. The Saints lost Chris Olave, that outstanding rookie receiver that I wish was a Chicago Bear, uh, to a concussion, so... He's week to week, uh, but the Seahawks lose Rashad Penny, who's been having an outstanding year running the football, living up to that first uh, round draft stock. Because um, when when the when the Seahawks took him, it's like, why are we taking this guy? Especially, I think they still had Marshawn Lynch at the time, but um, you know, it is what it is. But uh, severe ankle injury, he's going to be out uh, for a while. So not only did the Seahawks lose, they lose one of their best uh, offensive players uh, to an ankle injury in this one. Outstanding game. Saints win 39-32. I went with the Saints. I got this one right. I think that makes me, what, 5-2 and two at this point? Yeah, I'm on a streak. Here's where it ends, though. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti can cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest t-shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your points bet account, and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this t-shirt, and then finally you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstock Underground T-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink. And thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> Dolphins at Jets. First play of the game. 
Teddy Bridgewater knocked out uh, on concussion protocol. Literally the first play uh, of the game. Uh, the Jets blitz came with, 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 with like an outside corner slash safety uh, blitz. Bridgewater just gets rid of the ball, gets flagged for intentional grounding in the end zone. Therefore, first play of the game, the Jets score a safety. And uh, so that left Skylar Thompson, the third-string quarterback, to be the quarterback for the rest of the uh, game. I wonder who their emergency guy would have been. I know that Tyreek Hill played a little quarterback in high school, so maybe they would have just been running the Wildcat with, with Hill as the quarterback if Skylar Thompson went down, but luckily he survived uh, the ball game. The Dolphins were able to keep pace with the Jets uh, into the third quarter, and it was 1917 with the Jets ahead. But after that, the Jets rattled off 21 unanswered in the fourth quarter, all rushing touchdowns. Uh, Brees Hall, the, the rookie from Iowa State, Outstanding, 97 yards rushing and 100 yards through the air on two catches and a touchdown to propel the Jets to a blowout win over the Dolphins, uh, 42-17. Um, you know, impressive-looking uh, win for the Jets. They're 3-2 and two, uh, right now. The Dolphins fall to 3-2 and two after a 3-0 and oh start. They've dropped the last two, the Cincinnati and the, uh, and the Jets. And, uh, you know, Gonna have to think twice when I uh, when I pick the Jets game uh, this week. They they look legit against the Dolphins. Granted, shorthanded without their first with their top without their top two uh, quarterbacks, but uh, nonetheless, an impressive forty to seventeen win. That's that's what what really kind of takes it home is that it was a twenty three point victory for the Jets, not one that they eked out over the third string quarterback. They uh, they took over the fourth quarter and blew the Jets away. So or blew the Dolphins away. So. 40-17, Jets take the win. I take the loss on that one, having picked the Dolphins. So I'm, what now, 5-3? and three? Moving on to Tampa. Bucks and Falcons. A, uh, I think Brady is, is undefeated against the Falcons, and um, I think that includes the Super Bowl, unfortunately. Um, no Julio Jones this week for the Bucks, but Godwin and Evans were, were still in the uh, lineup. Uh, the Bucks still having a problem finishing uh, finishing drives. Uh, they were turned away at fourth and one in the red zone on one drive. Had to settle for a field goal uh, on another drive in the in the first half. And um, you know Leonard Fournette had two touchdowns, one rushing, one re- one, uh, recept- one receiving. Good God, uh, <laughs> he was the leading rusher and the receiver uh, for the Bucks. He. he uh, he had 10 catches uh, in the game, along with the, the rushing yards. Uh, the Bucks were up 21-0 at the start of the fourth quarter. Uh, the Falcons came roaring back, got it to 21-15. to And with three minutes to go, the Falcons suffered what, what was the worst roughing the passer call I've seen in a long time. And the only reason it was called roughing the passer, because it was Tom Brady. Grady Jarrett, one of the best interior linemen in the NFL, comes comes running around, just looped around uh, the offensive line, clear path uh, to Brady, grabs him around the waist and kind of like does the twisting thing. Like he basically he rolls over on his butt and you know he takes Brady down with him, and his head didn't hit the ground. It wasn't a ragdoll tackle where he put force into it. He just wrapped his arms around Brady's waist and took him down. And the referee right there saw the whole thing through the flag. 
fresh set of downs uh, for the uh, for the Buccaneers. Falcons never recover, and the Buccaneers hang on for the win, uh, twenty-one to fifteen. So much like the Bears and the bonehead mistake that uh, Smith Marset made that cost them the ball game. Um, the Falcons will never know if they could have completed uh, their comeback because the referees stole it from them. So absolutely. There was also a play earlier in that drive, like a they called one of the DBs for defensive holding inside that five-yard barrier that the DBs get, but they called him for – because he didn't grab him. He put his hands on his chest. I saw that. So I, I can see like maybe in, in real time, that one's a little bit easier to swallow if you will, it's still ticky tack. And I still think it was the wrong call, but that roughing the passer is what did, uh, the Falcons in, um, they fall short. Uh, I got the win. I thought Buccaneers would win. I didn't think they'd have to steal the game from Atlanta, but they did. So six and three, uh, going forward Titans and commanders, uh, in Washington took a special interest in this one, obviously, because we play the commanders on Thursday, uh, this week, uh, the commander pass rush was tenacious, which automatically makes me nervous uh, because if our offensive line has a weakness, it is pass protection. Uh, they sacked Tannehill five times and were in his face all day long, all day long. But the good news for Bear fans is that the commanders are a feast or famine offense. I had a chance to talk with uh, with uh, Mr. Who from uh, the, Con- the Commander Confidential uh, podcast uh, this morning and basically if if the if the commanders aren't hitting a big play then they're pretty much not doing anything uh, on offense they don't do uh, you know mid mid yardage routes and and crossing routes and, and things like that they don't take the five yard dump off uh, or anything it's it's big play or or nothing and the bears run basically a version of the cover two a defense that's meant to prevent those kinds of plays. So just fundamentally, that plays into the Bears' hands. However, uh, Diami Brown uh, scored two touchdowns on 75 and 30-yard plays. Those were literally his only two catches of the game. They both went for touchdowns, and that's what kept the commanders in this, is that the Titans got beat for those two big plays uh, in the ballgame. The commanders did not run the football well, or hardly at all. Brian Robinson playing in his first game, uh, since the shooting incident in the per- during the preseason, uh, only had 22 yards on like 11 carries. Or actually, it wasn't even that many. I think maybe it was like nine uh, carries. Uh, I think the overall, the commanders ran the ball like 16 times or something like that, and five of them were Wentz uh, scrambles. So, yeah, I, I don't think the Bears are going to have to worry much about the run. It's all going to be about pressuring Wentz and making sure we don't give up the big play on defense in order to beat uh, Washington this week. Um, the Titans, on the other hand, their offense went through uh, went through Travis Henry, two rushing touchdowns, 102 yards receiving, I think had another 30 or 40 uh, through the air uh, as well. And game came down to the wire, though. The commanders were goal to go with seconds left to go in the game, and Wentz throws an interception uh, at the goal line to seal the win. And looking at the, at the play itself, I don't think it was it was intended for J.D. McKissick, their their running back out of the backfield. Um, I don't think he scores even if he does catch it. If the the, the Titan defender isn't there and uh, doesn't jump in front of the ball to make the interception, McKissick stopped like right at the goal line to the point where the force of the defender coming up from behind him would not have been enough 
or would have been enough to keep him from going into the end zone. But um, Titans hang on to the win, 21-17. That's another win for me. So 7-3 and three going into the afternoon games. Actually, I think this is we got one more after one more uh, Sunday game with the uh, the Jags and the Texans. This is the upset. This is an upset here. I I, I thought the Jaguars, the, the way they hung with Philly last week, uh, beating the Chargers on the road, blanking the the Colts after almost winning Week One uh, against the uh, Commanders. I mean, by all rights, the Commanders should be zero and five right now, and. Uh, the Jags should have been three and one uh, going into this game, but instead they were two and two. And uh, the Texans come to town, and by by listening to the commentary that you know you could piece together in those highlight reels, apparently the, I think the Texans have the Jaguars' number. So whereas like the Jags have always kind of had Indy's number in Jacksonville, the Texans always find a way to beat Jacksonville. Apparently, and it was a defensive battle throughout. The team traded field goals for a six-six tie. Uh, at the half, uh, Lawrence threw an interception in the end zone in the third quarter. Jags failed on fourth and one in the fourth quarter. Unnecessary roughness on Trayvon Walker gave the Texans a fresh set of downs that led to Damian Pierce, uh, his touchdown run that ended up being the game winner. So it was a lot of not so much the Texans beating the Jaguars or especially at the end of the game there. All of those were self-inflicted wounds, stupid mistakes by the Jags that kept the, the Texans in the ball game. The Texans finally took advantage um, and everything. Trevor Lawrence had a Hail Mary attempt at the end that was intercepted for his second uh, of the day and to seal the win for the Texans, 13-6. Uh, to six. So if, if, if I was running a confidence pool, that one would have been pretty high up there, probably 12, 13, somewhere uh, in that area, uh, not expecting the Texans to keep the Jaguars out of the end zone and, you know, win the game uh, as well. So 7-4 and four with the Texans beating the Jags going into the Sunday afternoon games. Uh, Niners-Panthers in Carolina. This is the game that got Matt Rule fired. Uh, the Niners dominated from start to finish on the field and in the stadium, which it was probably the icing on top for the, for the owner uh, to uh, cut the cord. Uh, with rule there were more 49er fans in the crowd than than panther fans <laughs> and um you know it, it was a, a bad showing all the way around i mean the pick six for the niners uh, emmanuel mosley gave them a 17 to 3 halftime lead uh, mccaffrey had a nice touchdown run on fourth and one in the third quarter to make it 17 to 9 but that's as close uh as carolina got the niners went on a 20 20 to 6 run uh to finish the game win it 37 uh, to 15 with Matt rule being let go this morning, Steve Wilkes, the former head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he was the one year wonder out in Arizona, went in three and 13 and got fired, uh, out there before they hired Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, he'll be your interim head coach of the Panthers going forward. Coaching is a racket, man. Professional coaching. It's a racket because I think this is only year three. I think for the can for for rule in in Carolina, uh, I'm pretty sure he signed like a six or seven year deal, made a huge commitment, or the Panthers made a huge commitment to him. So the way that it is, he's going to be on the books with Carolina for at least the next few years. I don't know if that kind of gets voided when he gets a new job. I don't. I'm not sure if that's how that works. But if he doesn't, 
you can sit at home for the next four years and collect a salary from the Carolina Panthers because there was some genius agent that convinced the team to take that deal at some point, and that became the standard uh, going forward. Um, and, you know, other teams like uh, or like in college football, Scott Frost, when he got fired by Nebraska, $15 million buyout. They paid him $15 million to leave. What kind of – what? If I lost my job today – I'm, I'm, I'll be lucky to get severance, let alone unemployment. Never, they're not going to give me a $15 million nest egg to walk away. They're not going to entice me to leave by giving me a financial windfall that could support me and my family for the rest of my life. It's, it's a racket, man. I, I should have stuck with coaching. <laughs> I should have I just stuck with it. Niners win 37-15, embarrassing the Panthers at home in front of their home crowd. Uh, I take the win, making it 8-4. Uh, and four. Um with, uh, what, four games left to go. Cowboys and Rams in L.A., SoFi. And uh, the Rams just cannot figure out how to put together uh, an offense. I mean, all due respect and all due credit to the uh, Cowboys. I mean, they start the game with a strip sack that resulted in a scoop and score from Dexter Lawrence. Kind of gave an indication of how this day was going to uh, go. Uh, they sacked Stafford five times, forced three turnovers uh, in the ball game. Uh, the Cowboys jumped out to a nine nothing uh, lead. The Rams came back and took it took the lead at ten to nine with the seventy five yard uh, Cooper Cup uh, running catch. But um, after that, the uh, Cowboys shut them out. Um, Seventeen night thirteen thirteen to nothing uh, in the second half with a fifty. You know they started off with a fifty seven yard touchdown run from Tony Tony Pollard, take a sixteen ten lead at the half, and then the Cowboys shut the Rams out. Uh, the rest of the way, you know, like I said, sack, sacking Stafford five times, forcing uh, three turnovers. So it was a dominant defensive performance from the Cowboys against the world champs who uh, I think have their first multi-game losing streak under uh, Sean McVay. Cause I think that um, they kind of had that uh, Patriot thing going on where this is a team that doesn't lose two games in a row. So if you know, if you're playing them coming off a loss, you can pretty much guarantee you're not going to win uh kind of thing. I think that's something that the Rams were able to put together uh, under McVay until this week and having lost to the 49ers on Monday night last week and uh being uh getting ragdolled at home by the uh by the Cowboys. So the Rams got some uh got some work to do. It's it's rare to see a Super Bowl winner curse Usually they're the ones that are fighting the way their way back, and but um, you know couldn't get it done against the uh, Cowboys as they lose 21, 22 to ten. I got the pick wrong, so I'm what eight and five, seven and five, eight and five. Eagles at Cardinals, um, you know the uniform snob in me. I got to mention, I really like the Cardinals black unis. Um, when they announced the alternative helmet, um, I noticed that the helmet though it appears black, had like red sparkles or, you know, glitter, if you will, you know, for lack of a better term. And I was wondering how that, if you would be able to notice that on the field, like from the, you know, the wide uh, uh, angle where they're showing all of the players and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And it does, you can see it. It's, it's you see like a red hue in the helmet. It was really, really interesting. Uh, and I thought it looked pretty cool actually uh, as well. So uniform snobbery out of the way now. Let's talk about the football game. Uh, the Eagles offense, w- watching the highlights, um, seemed mostly 
dink and dunk in the passing game. Like they really weren't going for any deep shots, anything over 10 yards. They were really just keeping it all in, in front of them. And, and maybe that's what they were just taking what the Cardinal defense was, uh, was giving them. But it was, you know, slow, methodical, five yards here, eight yards here, run the football and so on uh, and so forth. Um, and, uh, you know, they sprinkled in some running from, from Jalen Hurts. Hurts had two rushing TDs uh, in the first half. Um, and I think they went up 14 nothing uh, to start the game. The Carls tied it at 17 on a Beano Benjamin touchdown run with about nine and a half minutes uh, to go. The Eagles drove it right back down the field and with about a minute 45 kicked a 23-yard field goal to take the lead. And then the final sequence for the Cardinals. It's just, it was a self-inflicted thing. Uh, the Cardinals are driving. They're, they're looking to tie the ball game at the least. They just need to get back into field goal range. They have no timeouts left. They're moving the football very well. And then Murray goes on a scramble and gives himself up. And when, when they do the slide, the ball is dead from wherever the slide started. And the slide started before the first down marker. So Murray, with about 23, to sec, 23 seconds or something like that to go, slides, you know, giving himself up before the first down marker. It was second down. That made it third and one when he had the slide. And with no timeouts, they had to spike the ball to stop the clock. And now it's fourth down. So they have to kick from wherever they are right now. It was a 47-yard attempt, and the kicker pushed it wide right. Um, so the Eagles come away with the win. It was an odd sequence uh, of events. I mean, even if even if Murray just dives forward for the first down, um, you know, that spike, it's only second down. They've still got about 20-something seconds they still got 11, 12 seconds. They got time to run one more play to get a little bit closer or maybe take a shot at the end zone or something like that. But instead, <laughs> he slides before the marker. It's third and one. Spiking it makes it fourth and one. So you've pigeonholed yourself to no options. You're either going to go for it all and, and throw a Hail Mary into the end zone from 30 yards out, or you're going to have to kick the field goal from here. And they went for the field goal to try to tie it up and send it to overtime. The kid pushed it wide right. Eagles stay undefeated. They remain 5-0. and oh. uh, Got the pick right. It was a nail-biter, but I got it right, uh, making me 9-5 and five going into the Sunday night game. Ravens and Bengals. I really thought that the Bengals would get this one. They almost did. They almost did, but they fell just short. Uh, Ravens took an early 10-0 lead on a Justin Tucker field goal uh, and Andrews touchdown catch, the, the awesome tight end that they have. Bengals bounce right back and tie it at the half. Hayden Hurst touchdown catch. Uh, McPherson field goal. And the touchdown drive came off of a Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson interception. He hung one up. The Bengals picked it off and, you know, took it back for a uh, – or the drove it back for a, a, a touchdown. Um, late in the game, the Bengals were fourth and goal from the one and fell short. They got stuffed at the uh, – at the line came up. Actually, they tried to do one of those shovel passes where the, the receiver is, is like on the inside slot and at the snap of the ball, he kind of runs towards the, the middle of the line of scrimmage. Joe Burrow basically threw the ball into the end zone because it went untouched. It went right past the receiver, through the defense, and into the end zone. Uh, incomplete pass on fourth and one. They come away with nothing after being inches away uh, from uh, from taking the lead. Same situation for... Baltimore on the ensuing drive, 
uh, you know, the Bengals could have tied it with a field goal. It would have been 13-13 if they kicked the field goal at that point. Instead, they went for it, came away with nothing. Same situation for Baltimore. They get down there, and they took the points to go up 16-10. Uh, those would be very important points. Uh, a, that the Bengals missed, and B, that the Ravens uh, scored. The Bengals did take a lead on a quarterback sneak from Burrow with about a minute 58 uh, to go in the game, but the Ravens drove it right back down, and Justin Tucker, greatest kicker in the game, maybe in the history of the game, hits a 43-yarder as time expires for the Ravens to win it 19-17. Big, big, big win for the Ravens. Their first home win, I think, in six tries, and I think their first win over the Bengals in like three or four tries. At the very least, two. They got dominated last year by the Raven or by the uh, Bengals. Um, but big win for them puts them at three and two Ravens fall to, or excuse me, Bengals fall to two and three got the losing record. you know, trying to work their way back uh, on that one. And finally the Monday night, you heard me allude to it uh, at the start of this show chiefs hosting the Raiders, something about the Raiders. They just show up at Arrowhead, man. Uh, they've beaten the chiefs out there a couple of times and, and, and then, Got you know started off like a bat out of hell you know first play first drive of the game for the Raiders they finish it off with a 58 yard touchdown pass from Carr to Devontae Adams on fourth and one you know it's like they had the whole the whole smash there at the line of scrimmage Carr drops back boom Devontae Adams wide open runs it in uh, from a 58 yards from 58 yards out on uh, route to starting with a 17 nothing lead uh, on the Chiefs I mean right out of the gate they're just you know putting it to uh, Kansas City. Josh Jacobs ran like a beast all night long, man. Just seven yards of carry in this game, 154 yards on 21 carries, scored a touchdown as well. The only problem is the Chiefs are still the Chiefs, and they're going to do Chiefs things. And the Chief thing that they did today was they let was Travis Kelsey scored all four of Kansas City's touchdowns. What was funny about that is that he on seven catches, he had 25 yards receiving for the whole night so uh you know great night for fantasy as far as scoring the touchdowns with yardage he got you what two and a half points maybe something like that it's been a while since i played fantasy football but uh all four of kc's touchdowns uh with and uh you know giving the 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 chiefs a 30 to 23 uh lead uh late in the ball game uh the raiders were down 30 to 23 Derek carr hits Devontae adams for another Big touchdown, 48 yards this time to make it 30-29. to 29. They get gutsy. They go for the, uh, the two-pointer. Uh, they come up short on the two-point uh, two uh, attempt in 30-29. to 29. Then, you know, was the score at that point. And then they came up short on their final drive. They couldn't get into Kansas City territory. They couldn't get into uh, field goal range. Their fourth and, I think, fourth and four uh, attempt, uh, you know, incomplete pass, fall innocently to the ground. Chiefs hang on. 30 to 29, giving me a 10 and 6 record for week number five, improving my record. Like last week, I was 33, 30, and 1, throwing 10 and 6. I'm now 43, 36, and 1, seven games above 500. Thank you very much as we finish off the fifth week of the NFL schedule. And player of the week, in, in my opinion, it's not a debate. Taysom Hill, just four touchdowns uh, in that game, one random touchdown pass and three rushing TDs, not to mention everything else he does on special teams and everything. It's a wonder the guy ever leaves the field 
you know, just an outstanding job and his efforts uh, contributed to a victory for his squad in the New Orleans Saints. So congrats to Taysom Hill for the win on Sunday and for being the Bearstock Underground Player of the Week for the NFL preview uh, review episode of week number five. So, guys, that is going to do it uh, for week number five. We close the book on week number five, but we quickly open it to week number six because the Bears and Commanders are the Thursday night game this week. They will, uh, so we will have our preview episode tomorrow on Wednesday. Uh, our good friend Brian, um, a.k.a. Mr. Who from the uh, Commander's Confidential podcast joins us to help preview uh, this matchup. Had a great conversation uh, with him earlier today. We got together this morning on Monday to uh, preview the game fresh of our fresh off of our disappointing losses yesterday. But um, you know, had a great talk with him, and that will be uh, tomorrow on Wednesday to preview Bears Commanders for Week Number Six and the preview episode for the for Week Number Six for the NFL will drop. Uh, Oh, maybe I'll do it Thursday. Who knows? Because uh, either that or we're going to have two episodes drop on Friday. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how I can manage it with my schedule uh, on Thursday. If I can uh, get the preview episode done before uh, the Bears game on Thursday, then uh, then we'll do that. But um, Or, hell, maybe I'll just record on a Wednesday. Who knows? It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Maybe I'll just do that. So. Anyway, guys, keep your eyes open and peeled to the so, to the social medias at BTU underscore Larry on Instagram and on Twitter or join the Facebook page Bears Talk Underground on Facebook. So come back tomorrow on Wednesday for the week six preview between the Bears and Commanders. And until then, my name is Larry D and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. <coughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest t-shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your PointsBet account, and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this T-shirt, and then finally you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit, our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstock Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink, and thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast.